0: Come to him, a living stone, rejected by human beings, chosen and precious in the sight of God. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. Many of you have never known me to look anything other than like a homeless person who just wandered in off the streets. (laughs) A few months into my time here, I was actually in the back right there near the fountain area and was confused for a homeless man. True story. The entire time I have lived in Charlottesville, I have been like Samson in that I have not allowed a razor to touch my head. Now, few people bothered to ask the motivation behind my appearance, and even if they did, I probably would have been a little cagey and dodged the answer with a funny retort. That was until about two weeks ago when the bishop himself asked me the question. He called me to meet with him in person, and after we sat down and he questioned um, I'm sorry, he asked me a question that a good father should. He was confused over the shift that he had seen since my ordination when I looked like this. So two Tuesdays ago, the bishop asked me, as we sat across from each other, "Can you tell me the reason for your change?" Because it makes us all wonder about your mental health. Now first, let me point out whether he was urged by the rest of the diocese or whether he just chose to do this on his own. That shows the sign of a bishop who cares enough about his priests to talk to them and to not just assume he knows what's going on in their lives. So the bishop asked me the reason for my appearance, and now I will tell you the same answer that I told him. When I was transferred last year but was not made a pastor, I was hurt. More specifically, my pride was hurt. I realized that in my reaction to hearing about the success of others, I'm sorry, that if my reaction to hearing about the success of others was jealousy, envy, and pride, then I was probably in the wrong. Because my reaction was of the following Don't they know what I can do? Don't they know who they've ordained? All of these and more ridiculous thoughts ran through my head until I had what I felt was a moment of clarity. I realized the reaction I was having was not the proper response. The diocese owes me nothing. They have given me everything—education, employment, housing, and most importantly, the chance to help people change, change their lives for the eternal. I owe them everything. So when I realized the error of my ways, I decided that my best reaction to pride was humility. For after all, who was I to respond to the choice of the diocese, the bishop, and senior priests, all just because I thought I was smarter than they were. So from that moment on, I decided to not cut my hair for a year. Not because I wanted long hair particularly, but because I knew that people are very opinionated. Things like, I wish you would get a haircut, you have such a nice face, or You know people can't see your smile because it looks like you only have two front teeth. Your mustache hides the rest of it. My favorite, you know you look homeless, right? These three are actual quotes from my mother over the last year. But that was the point. I knew that I would constantly have people telling me their opinions about my appearance which would be good in building humility, as I would not offer an answer. Now, I saw a direct correlation in the lengthening of my hair and the number of comments that people felt they could make. But I did it specifically knowing that it would make me look less presentable. People barely look at you in public when you might be homeless. Now, as a priest who is stopping by the store on his way home from the gym just to grab something, this kind of avoidance is a blessing but the fact that long hair and a beard allow people to feel comfortable not even looking at you in public is very interesting sociologically. Anyway, I digress. But the point is, I told the bishop that my appearance was a direct action taken against my own pride. I was trying to practice humility. I set up a framework and a structure that, uh, to take place via the medium of hair, and I set it into motion. This answer seemed to satisfy the bishop, and we went on to have a 35-minute pleasant conversation. But at the end, one thing was clear. My appearance was to change. (laughs) My offering of humility to the Lord felt like it was now being rejected, for I was to get a haircut. So at this point, I had two choices. I could continue to act in humility and listen to the voice of the Lord through the words of the bishop, and actually live out the promise of obedience that I made to him in front of the diocese, my family, and in front of God, when I swore to be obedient to him and his successors. Or the second option was that I could get mad like Cain when his offering was rejected by the Lord. Now, Cain did not choose the first option of humility and ended up murdering his brother. So I listened to the words of the bishop and drove straight to a barber shop. (coughs) Excuse me. They were closed, by the way. (laughs) But eventually, I, I was able to get my hair cut, and I sent a picture to the bishop to let him know that at the first opportunity, I had exercised obedience. For delayed obedience is still disobedience. So now why am I telling you this? This is not my therapy time, nor is it my personal venting session. Almost 900 words ago, I started by quoting the second reading. Come to him. A living stone rejected by human beings, chosen and precious in the sight of God. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. Now, this idea of a living stone, that's very curious to me. It's an oxymoron. Something like a stone does not contain life, it has no properties of flexibility. Some stone is harder than others, but usually if you apply enough force, that stone will break. It usually snaps and does not bend. A stone does not crumble due to the gravity of its environment or outside pressure exerted on it naturally. If a stone is malleable in any way, it crumbles and is not good for building with. Stones do not go with the flow, but create the flow. A rock rolling down the hill or a falling from outer space shapes the world around it, not the other way around. <clears throat> so how can Paul ask us to be something that does not exist in nature? A stone that has life. Something that is living is able to react and interact and sometimes affect the world around them, but it is also affected upon by the world in which it lives. So Paul wants something that bends and doesn't break like a rock, but is living and moving. And so the closest thing that I can come up with in nature is that of a cell wall. In biology, animal cells do not, have a plant, or do not have a cell wall. Plant cells do. Welcome to ninth grade biology review. But this helps give shape, structure, and stability to the plant. Now growing up in Virginia Beach, we deal with hurricanes every fall. And I have seen some beautiful and terrifying windstorms. And one of the most fascinating things is how the trees, for the most part, stay in the ground. Yes, there are always limbs that break off. but when, And whenever the water saturates the ground too much, trees do fall over. But that's a failure of the ground, not the tree. Because the tree gains strength, strength from two things over the course of its life. One is the internal strength provided by the cell wall. and as I'm sorry, and the second is the strength that it gains over time from smaller windstorms that help the tree build strength. A tree is able to bend so as not to break because it is not made of stone. If a tree has the qualities of rock, that tree is dead and dried out and will break easily in the wind or from any outside pressure. But a living tree is rigid and strong and it can withstand all of our natural might. I invite you to go try and push down any one of those trees in our little courtyard. You won't. The qualities of being a living stone are of that, that of being able to bend and not to break in the environment around you. It means that we are able to gain strength from smaller trials along the way. Come to him, a living stone, rejected by human beings, chosen and precious in the sight of God. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. The Lord warns us of the fate of those who choose to live as living stones. He says you will be rejected by others, but you will be chosen by him. And not only are you chosen, but because you are chosen, you are precious in his eyes. Now, I used to be a construction worker in college, and I never once looked at a cinder block or a piece of stone lovingly. That's because stones are not precious. Stones are a dime a dozen. And if one piece doesn't fit well into what you're building, you can break it or you can get rid of it and get a new one. But the Lord chooses each of us to be used to build up his spiritual house for offering sacrifice, as our second reading said. Because if we are living stones, that means that we can help bear the load for each other, meaning you can stack stone on stone, course on course, and get a beautiful building. A bunch of cells together makes a tissue— A bunch of tissues together makes an organ, a bunch of organs together makes an organ system, and a bunch of organ systems makes a human body. But it all starts with a cell. Every living stone is an individual cell in the body of Christ. Our various worshiping bodies are called local churches. These local churches make up the diocese, and the diocese around the globe makes up the universal Catholic Church or the body of Christ this is why all of us are precious all of us are needed no one is useless in the body of christ come to him a living stone rejected by human beings chosen and precious in the sight of god like living stones let yourselves be built into a spiritual house i wanted to do something to help get rid of the pride i found in my heart last year It felt like two weeks ago, the Lord rejected that offer. However, this started in an attempt to gain more humility. So what a beautiful conclusion. The Lord gave me what I didn't know I needed. For over the last year, I had grown prideful even in my disheveled appearance. I know that because when the bishop asked me to shave, I was crestfallen. Now I'm trying to be okay with it every day, but it goes back and forth, honestly, and some days I'm okay with it and other days I'm not. But if I stick my heels in the dirt and say, no, that's too much, Bishop, then I have shown that I am not a living stone willing to bend and move with the weight of his environment. But if I choose to say no, I will not be obedient. I show that I am already dead inside. So I asked for humility, and it was granted. And in his own beautiful way, when I was getting comfortable with it again, the Lord found a way to make it fresh and show me how much pride still remains. So I tell you this for two reasons. A, so I don't have to have this conversation a thousand more times over the next month. (laughs) And B, so that you will listen to the words of St. Paul. Be inspired to constantly adapt to the world we find ourselves in, to bend so as not to break. And to be willing to do whatever the Lord asks of you, knowing that sometimes it's going to be difficult, but it's always beneficial. For he only corrects those he loves, and you are precious and chosen in the eyes of the Lord.